0: We are so glad that you are here. Uh, Like Chris said, whether this is your first time here or your 100th time here, we're so glad that you're here. Whether you're sitting outside the restrooms in the lobby, uh, I'm going to try to stay over here so I can see everybody. Uh, Good problems to have here. Good to see the loft full as well. Happy Palm Sunday to all of you. Turn your neighbor and say, Happy Palm Sunday. Tell them that right now. Happy Palm Sunday. It is not every day that we give you twigs on the way into church, but today is that day. I'm sorry that we only have a a number of these full palms at budget cuts. I don't know what happened, but you've got your palm digits there uh, this morning that we're excited uh, as well. The Bible says, make a joyful noise, and we love to do that in a variety of ways. We will never apologize for emphasizing kids around here. Jesus had this special love for kids, and that's why. We'll never apologize for making that an emphasis. And and that holds true in a variety of ways. There's a whole lot of different ways that we emphasize kids. In fact, if you go to that next slide, there's a variety of ways that we do that. And go ahead and go to the next slide. There we go. Uh, our Hope Preschool, you may not know, we have a preschool that's four days uh, a week, and they are wrapping up for this year, but they're accepting applications uh, for future, uh, for next year uh, already. And that's all the way from age two, all the way up through transitional kindergarten. Uh, as well, like I said, we've got some exciting events coming up with the Parenting on Purpose class, and then Project Mother's Day down here in the in the bottom right corner, that is for Dads and your kids, uh, the Friday before Mother's Day, if you do wait to the last minute to have your kids make a Mother's Day gift for mom, which I know never happens, Well, there's your opportunity, and we're going to do that. There'll be something for the dads, something for the kids uh, as well. Uh, The picture down here was our last First Communion class. Please don't tell the fire department, but we were busting at the seams for that class. There was people sitting in the hallway uh, as well uh, for that First Communion class. Those kids are going to start receiving their First Communion at our Monday-Thursday service this Thursday as well. And, of course, our Hope Kids ministry that's on Saturday nights and Sunday mornings, our leaders do such an incredible job with that. We love kids at Hope Des Moines because Jesus loves kids. And one of the many reasons that we love them is the joy, the excitement, the passion, the energy that they bring to worship. that the, 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 They bring that, that unbridled joy to worship Jesus. They don't care what anybody else thinks. And somewhere along the line as adults, we get a little apprehensive about that. We get a little self-conscious about that. But the kids bring that joy and that sense of celebration. And so it makes sense that that would be today. Yeah, hi, buddy. That's right. It makes sense that that would be today because It's Palm Sunday, and that was very true of the crowd that very first Palm Sunday when Jesus entered into Jerusalem as well. If you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter 12. That's where we're going to be today, John chapter 12. And if you need a Bible, there's ones in the back uh, as well, but those are for you to take. John chapter 12. 12. This account is in the gosp- multiple Gospels, but we're going to focus on John's account today, John chapter 12. If you didn't know, Palm Sunday is sort of the official beginning of Holy Week. And as we join with millions of Christians all over the world today to celebrate what really is the most important week in our lives as Christians... It's not a, oh, that's a churchy thing. No, this is, if you're following Jesus today, if you woke up this morning and you have breath in your lungs because of the grace of Jesus Christ, today matters. Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday and Easter matter. It's the most important week of the year. It's the last week that we read of Jesus' ministry here on this earth. And when we arrive on the scene, the city of Jerusalem is in an uproar, it's, it's full of people for the Passover celebration, which happened every year, and all the Jews kind of make their trek to the city, the capital city of Jerusalem. So there's a lot of people there. I would imagine it, too, you know, the Final Four was in Minneapolis this year, the, the Super Bowl, you know, a couple of years ago, and the city was just full with millions of people. That's kind of what Jerusalem was like. There was already a lot of people there, and then the word gets around that this rabbi from Nazareth, this man named Jesus, is entering the city. And as they would often do, they would use Palm branches, you know, instead of a, a victory parade for like a Super Bowl or a World Series team, you know, where the confetti would come down, a little bit different than that, they would take palm branches. Palm branches were an ancient symbol of victory and triumph that was really associated with the, the Greek goddess Nike, which a lot of you are familiar with and maybe wearing that today, so you're connected to Palm Sunday whether you know it or not. The palm branch was connected with that Greek goddess Nike, the, the goddess of victory, and so what they would do is that they started taking palm branches down, and some of them laid them down as a, as a royal carpet for Jesus, and they wove, uh, waved their palm branches together to welcome in Jesus. And I know it's kind of hard to imagine what it would be like to, to do that, uh, to, to be there that day. So we're going to do our best to act it out a little bit today. So this will be a lot of fun. It's kind of become a Palm Sunday tradition around here. So you're going to have an active place. This is the audience partition, uh, participation part of the sermon. So don't think that you are just going to sit by passively today. So get out your palm branch. You're going to need that today or your palm digit, whatever you got there. Okay, we're going to split it down the middle. Here's what we're going to do. If you're on this side of my arm, so just kind of... Lean one way or another. I don't need to split up families here, right? You're on this side of my arm or you're in the lobby and on this side, you are group number one. Okay, group number one, wave your palms. Let me know you're there. Okay, there's group number one. If you're on this side of my arm and the loft, you are group number two. So group number two, wave your palms. There you go. Okay, we're gonna be the crowd that welcomed in Jesus on Palm Sunday. So group number one, you are the Hosanna crowd. Group number two, you are the blessed is the king crowd. So we're gonna have a friendly little competition here this morning to see who can be louder. Okay, you ready for this? You guys ready? Turn to your neighbor and say, you were born for this. Tell them that right now. You were born for this. Okay, turn to your other neighbor and say, don't be too cool for this. Tell them that right now. Don't be too cool. All right. Now, pay attention because whatever side I point to is when you yell your thing and wave your palm branch and I might mix it up, okay? So, put on your thinking caps. Ready as loud as you can. Here we go. Group number 1. I think you can be louder than that. It's Palm Sunday people. Ready? Let's you are here. Let's bring it up a little bit. All right? Ready? Here we go. Good. now all together hosanna blessed is the king Hosanna! oh good job give yourselves a round of applause nice job good work excellent excellent good to get the vocal cords warmed up a little bit this morning hosanna they were yelling the crowd was that first sunday which literally means save us well that's an odd thing to yell at a victory celebration isn't it save hosanna literally means save Savior. They were yelling, calling out to Jesus as a Savior, which is exactly what the Jews were hoping for that day. It's what what they've been waiting for for hundreds of years. Why the royal treatment for Jesus? Wasn't he just some good moral teacher? This was supposed to be their king. The king of the Jews, they called him. A king who would restore Israel back to national prominence and power and kick out the Romans and restore Israel and rescue them. This would be the great military king they thought that Jesus would be, like like the old King David that would would come and kick out the Roman oppression and restore them, and they were just going to ride on Jesus' coattails all the way to the throne, all the way to the top. And as often would happen in these victory parades, uh, as, as Rome was conquering the known world at the time, they would come back and the king would be riding on his stallion and his chariot with a big sword and his armies behind him. It was a, a warrior king, and that's what they expected. And up through the crowd as they're yelling, Hosanna, blessed is the king, comes probably a short, Middle Eastern, common-looking man riding a donkey. Wa Right? Not what they expected at all. It would be helpful to know that the donkey was also a symbol of peace. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring a sword. I came to bring peace and reconciliation. Save us, King Jesus. They got the savior part, right? But here's what they missed that day. Here's what the crowd missed that day. With all due respect to their national pride with all due respect to them thinking that getting power in an earthly sense was where it was at. Jesus made it clear by everything that he said and everything that he didn't say, by everything that he did and everything that he did not do, Jesus was making it very clear for the last three years of his ministry, I'm a different kind of king. And you should be thankful (laughs) that I am. I'm a different kind of king. I have a much bigger purpose in mind. Jesus would make it very, very clear by eventually after he would get arrested later this holy week, how he didn't fight the sentence of death even though he was the most innocent man that ever walked this earth. How he didn't call down angels from heaven to to wipe away the mockers as he hung, gasping for breath, suffocating in a Roman execution a few days later. He, He could have stopped it right there. All the times he could have crushed his enemies, all the arguments that he could have made. He didn't do it. In fact, while on trial, he looked. One of the Roman most powerful Romans in the world at that time, Pontius Pilate, in the eyes, and he looked at him and said, My kingdom is not of this world. In other words, Pilate, you have no idea what you are up against. Because if my kingdom was of this world, the Romans would have known. Jesus said, if my kingdom was of this world, we'd be fighting and I would be winning. <laughs> I would be winning, and you'd be losing. If it was all about building power and wealth on this earth, you'd know. But Jesus said, I'm not just the king of kings. I'm the Lord of lords, and I'm your savior, which means my primary mission to you as the Jews is not your agenda of saving you from the Romans. It's not aligning with even a political agenda today and siding with the right or the left. Jesus doesn't have a political party. Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. I'm here to usher in a new regime, a, a heavenly kingdom. Not my will, but yours be done on earth as it is in heaven, Jesus teaches us to pray. There's a greater purpose to my life and it's not aligning with your agenda or your social or political agenda. It's bringing heaven to earth. It's to save you from a greater and way more permanent oppression that you'll never be able to defeat, and that's your own sin and death. That's the purpose of Palm Sunday. We have a king that has come to save us, but not just from the Romans. And because that was Jesus's larger purpose, it formed every decision he made, the priorities that he lived with. His purpose formed his path. I want you to remember that today. You could say that for Jesus, Jesus's purpose determined his path. Jesus's purpose determined his path. And even though nobody understood it at the time, Jesus had a crystal clear understanding of his identity and his purpose. And for our sake today, I wonder, do you? Do you, do you have a, a purpose? Because that same statement is true for every single one of us today. Your purpose determines your path. You're going to want to remember that. Your purpose determines your path whether you've identified your purpose or not we all have a purpose in life whether you know it and you're living out of it or not we all have a why behind our what we have a reason for the decisions we make and the priorities and the direction that we have for some of you you have a crystal clear purpose and by the way it's probably not your job your purpose is bigger than that It might include, and God can work through you in whatever you might do from nine to five, but it's bigger than that. Why has God put you on this earth? Jesus had a crystal clear understanding of that, and it formed his path. Others of you are still maybe wandering around looking for that path. You're looking for that purpose in your life. For some of you, you know your purpose, and you say, it's my career. Unashamedly, you say that. If your purpose is your career, and, 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 uh, and, and getting the right job or getting the right paycheck, then your path is going to be long hours. It's going to be getting into grad school. It's going to be climbing the ladder at work. If that's it for you, if that's the it that you're going after in life, your purpose is going to determine your path. If your purpose is to have a nice, safe, comfortable life, if that's the, the purpose of life for you and have a nice, happy family, then your path is going to be filled whatever it means to make you feel good. You're going to live for the weekend. Everybody's working for the weekend because that's the goal of your life. And you're going to take whatever route is the easiest in life. Not necessarily what God's calling you to, but you're going to take the path of least resistance because you never want to get out of your comfort zone. And some of you are going to live there for the rest of your life because you'll never discover a bigger purpose to live for. Some of you, if you're honest, it, if you really peel back the layers and say, well, Ivan, I said this, but my purpose is making sure that my kids compare to all the other kids, my purpose is, is getting the kids into all these activities and, 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 and amazing teams and clubs and shuttling them around. And maybe you're in a season of life, if you're honest, whether you wanted it or not, it feels like your purpose in life is to be an Uber driver for your kids, right? Maybe some of you are there, all right? Sometimes our season of life determines our purpose. Some of you are caring for young kids. Some of you are caring for your parents. Sometimes your season of life can determine your purpose. Purpose. My wife and I have discovered this uh, quite a bit. We're in those years where our young kids, at three and six now, our priorities have shifted a little bit. Our purpose has shifted, especially when it comes to uh, vacations. Anybody a fan a fan of family vacations out there? Remember going on a family vacation? Yeah, all of us. So that's shifted for us. We when we were just the two of us, we would do all sorts of things. And now with kids, uh, our current purpose is quality time together as a family without blowing the bank. Can I get an amen from the parents out there? Right. <laughs> Quality time as a family without blowing the bank. That is our purpose, our direction in life when it comes to family vacation. So how do we do that? Well, this last spring break, our kids are off of school and so they're like, we wanna go to a pool at a hotel. Okay, we could do that. You know, there's one down the street and they're like, no, 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 no. we wanna go like far away, right? Like we have a world map in our living room and I think Kayla pointed to Greece or something like that. Like, <laughs> we wanna go far away to some place we've never been. And so Tiffany and I are like, Okay, let's do it. And so we packed up the kids, like, huge suitcases for a week. We're like, okay, we're going to go to a pool at a hotel. It's going to be a long ways away. We can do this right now. We're taking advantage of it. We head out to I-80. We drive around in circles for 20 or 30 minutes. We pull into Adventureland Inn in Altoona, Iowa. And we're like, you guys, we finally made it. We're here. And they're like, woo! right? That piece of advice, parents, is free. You can take that one home. Thank you very much, right? Our purpose, quality time together, our path, driving in directions or driving around in circles, right? And sometimes you got to do that. Don't, don't tell our kids, okay? Don't tell them that right now. On a more serious note, though, I wonder, where's your path taking you? Some of you maybe feel like you're driving around in circles and you're, you don't have a clear purpose and direction like Jesus did for your life. What's your purpose and do you like the path that it has you on today? Do you like the path? Do you like the kind of person you're becoming? Because chances are the type of person that you're becoming is directly related. It goes back to your purpose. Go back to your purpose and say, what am I trying to accomplish? And if it's anything other than having a rock-solid daily relationship with Jesus Christ, you're always going to be a little bit unsatisfied. Sometimes our path gets disconnected from our purpose. Sometimes people say, well, John, I know my purpose right now is I just want to get more rest. I hear so many people, I want to have a more balanced, you know, work and home life with the kids. I want to have a better rhythm. I want to have a better connection to God and things like that. And that's their purpose. But then I look at their path, and they haven't taken a Sabbath in two months, and they have no regular worship rhythm with their kids. Well, no wonder you don't feel rested. Maybe you're resting your body, but you're just vegging your soul's not getting filled up. You're not having that weekly Sabbath that God commands us to. So, sometimes our path gets disconnected from our purpose. I hear so many people say, I just, I want to have some real community, you know? I want to have some real, authentic friendships. I just kind of feel disconnected, and yet you get in a small group here at Hope, and yet when your schedule gets busy, the first thing to go off the schedule is a small group. It's like we want the benefits of community without the commitment of community. Our path is disconnected from our purpose. If my purpose is to have a rock-solid, God-honoring marriage someday when the kids are gone, that means I've got to invest while the kids are here. Amen? Amen. You can't expect that fruit without this investment in the soil. i got to align my path with my purpose. We're doing the same as a church community right now. Last year, we did a a giving campaign in a way, and this works for individuals. It also works for us as a church as well. I wasn't going to talk about this today, but since there's literally no room for anybody to sit, this might be an appropriate time uh, to bring you up to speed. Last fall, we did a campaign uh, called Building to a Hope Beyond, and we were able to purchase uh, this lot behind us to our north and this building uh, back here simply because our purpose was pretty clear. We're out of room, And our purpose, our mission statement as a church is to reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. And it's just gotten to a point where, as you can see right now, we're just out of room after being in this building for about five years. And so I'm excited to tell you, give you a little update. As a couple weeks ago, we officially own that part of the block and that part of our lot now. We own that building, which is really exciting. So praise God for that. So that's the exciting news. The kind of mysterious news and the update that I want to share with you uh, a little bit is that because you keep inviting people, (laughs) because you keep showing up, we've really had to pause and take a step back and ask this question that I posed to you this morning. What is our purpose? And if our purpose was to meet a need facility-wise as a church for one to two years, well then we would absolutely go ahead with our original plan for that building. Well, We keep growing, (laughs) even in the last four months, and God has really impressed this on us as leaders, leadership team and staff uh, here at Hope, that we want to be really good stewards of the money that you gave, almost $1.2 million during that campaign, which is amazing. We want to be good stewards of that, and we want to be good stewards of this property as well. And we don't want to make a solution for one to two years. We want to come up with a solution and a vision for us as a church for the next five to ten years. And what are we going to look like then? So the reason we haven't, you know, start tearing things, you know, and have work days over there, which trust me, we're going to, is because we're taking a step back and we want to make the best use of this that we can. And honestly, if you think about this building as phase one, you think about the next phase that we're going to build in this, this fellowship space and more room for food and classrooms and, and spaces for the kids, that's phase two. We, don't, we want to set ourselves up well for phase three, which is a possible future larger worship center and more space beyond that. And so we want to make sure that our phase two sets us up for phase three. So to go back to our point today, we want our purpose to determine our path. And when we land on that clear purpose of what we want to do facility-wise, we will let you know, and you will bring your hard hat, and we will need you, and you can demo stuff and paint stuff and drywall stuff. There'll be plenty of work to do, but I wanted to give you that update so you knew what we were doing. We are working really hard with our architect, with members of the city council, with our neighbors here to make sure that we're being good neighbors and how we're using kind of this entire half of the block now, which is our campus as well. So that's the update as well. We want our purpose to determine our path. We want those to be aligned together personally and corporately as a church. And so I'll give you another update in probably a month or so uh, about that as well. If you want to learn more about that campaign, there's booklets at the Welcome Center on your way out today as well. This is what I love about Jesus This is what I love about Jesus. There was never a moment where he got off mission. He was crystal clear on that. His purpose was always aligned with his past, with with, with his path. And if there was uh, uh, only that kind of alignment and focus in all of our lives as well. We don't have that same. It turns out we're not the only ones that get those disconnected at times. When we look at the story of Palm Sunday, there's three distinct groups of people that have a little bit different agendas when it comes to approaching Jesus. In the crowd that day on Palm Sunday, there's certainly the crowd, mostly Jews that had come for the Passover. There's the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day. And then there's the disciples, this inner circle that Jesus had. So to give you a picture of what it was like that day, and then we're going to unpack these three different responses to Jesus together, let's look at a a short clip of what it might have been like as Jesus entered in, and the king rode into town. Let's take a look. Your purpose determines your path. Jesus could have stopped it right there, but he had a bigger purpose in mind. He could have appeased the crowds. He could have called down the armies of heaven, but his purpose was bigger. And certainly that first group that we see there in the crowd is what that man kind of represents, the thousands of people that were there that wanted Jesus to save them that day and have that immediate response. They didn't really know who Jesus was. They had just heard of him. He's like a celebrity in those days. Most people had never seen him before, and the only reason they wanted to get to Jesus is because they heard about what he could do for them, that he could do all these miracles and and raise people from the dead and, and bring people back to life. He was not really a priority for any of them until now, but it's easy to get swept up in the excitement and the energy of a celebrity of something or someone. When it becomes popular, it's easy to get wrapped up in that excitement as well. I was thinking about this the last couple weeks. anybody watched the last few rounds of the uh, March Madness NCAA tournament? A few of you basketball fans out there. So, you know, Iowa and Iowa State lose in the first couple rounds. and Everybody's like, oh, okay, that's out. I always find it fascinating, though, how like at the beginning of the tournament, it's like, I'm a diehard Hawkeye fan. I'm a Cyclone fan. I don't really care about any other teams. Boo all the other teams. And then you get deeper in the tournament and people are like, oh, I am all in for Texas Tech. I've been an Auburn fan forever. Go Tigers, right? Yeah, I love their coach. He's all fight. And then when they lose, it's like, Auburn lost Texas to, you know, whatever your, your, your fan team is. Like, you didn't even know that Auburn had a basketball team two weeks ago, right? Why are you cheering for them? Everybody kind of has these bandwagon teams that they, they jump. UC Irvine. Yeah, did you even know they existed, right? They do, right? But it's easy to jump on board as a bandwagon fan and the energy and the excitement. Why? Because they're winning. Because they're winning. And it's fun to get swept up in the buzz and the excitement and, and, and go to those people that, that we can get stuff from that make us feel good. And there's a word for that, and it's being a consumer. It's being consumeristic. That's the first agenda that we see around Jesus. For most of the crowd, their real purpose was consuming. They didn't know Jesus. They didn't want to follow him every day like the disciples had committed to. They said, Jesus, I'll be a fan as long as you meet my needs. As long as you heal the sick and do all those miracles and and kick out the Romans, I am all aboard the Jesus train, right? That was their agenda that day, And if we're not careful, we can kind of fall into that consumeristic trap sometimes as well. We'll, we'll say it's a little more subtle. We'll say, Jesus, I love the idea of you being my, my peace and my comfort and a little boost in my week. And so when I have the time, I'm going to pop into church for a worship service. And don't get me wrong, we love it that you're here today. We want everything that Jesus has for you. And I'm just going to pop in and get my little church fix. I've I've heard that a lot. People say that online. I got my church fix on this morning. Okay, I don't know what that means, but, you know, I get my Walmart fix and my Netflix fix fix and all that. I get my church fix. I I don't know what that means other than it kind of seems like we're just going to Jesus when we need it. Jesus wants to live every day with you. Jesus says, I'm your king I'm your king. I want to have authority over every area of your life. Not just once in a while and you pop in and pop out. I'm not a feel-good idea that you come and watch the kids sing, and that's cute, and sing some songs and wave my palm branch. Jesus says, I care just as much about Monday afternoon when you're at work as I do on Sunday morning when you're surrounded by Christians. I want to live life in a relationship with you. And anything else isn't going to satisfy your soul. Don't just consume religion. Jesus says. But there were others in the crowd that day. There was the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, the the Sadducees. We get a glimpse into their world. They get one little verse (laughs) in this story, uh, which is interesting. And uh, they're they're kind of the the moaners and groaners of the group a little bit. Look at verse 19, if you have your Bibles open to John chapter 12. This is what's said about the Pharisees. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, you kind of have to read this in an Eeyore voice to get the, you know, Winnie the Pooh, Eeyore, he's kind of a Debbie Downer, so, okay. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. (laughs) Look how the whole world has gone after him, okay? If you want a picture of the Pharisees at Palm Sunday, they are first century party poopers. That's the only way to describe it. They are the buzzkill of the whole thing, right? If you are a Pharisee in Jesus' day, you are filled with envy. You are filled with competition, If you are a Pharisee, your job is to maintain the law, is to keep order. And Jesus' very presence threatened everything about the religious establishment, which is really good news if any of you are here today and you're like, I'm here today, but I'm not really a churchy person, so I'm not going to be back next week. I mean, come back next week, but you should come the week after Easter, too, because the story keeps going. Some of you are like, I'm not a churchy religious person. I got really good news for you. Neither was Jesus. Jesus. He spent a lot of time, most of his time, not with the religious people. He said it's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. And that was his mission. But the Pharisees couldn't handle that. Everything that Jesus did threatened their power and the control. He was outside of the box. Jesus healed when he shouldn't. He hung out with people that he shouldn't. He loved his enemies. He forgives the unforgivable. He didn't fit in their box. And so if you're a Pharisee, your main agenda towards Jesus is conform. The Jews wanted to consume, the Pharisees wanted to conform Jesus to their agenda. Jesus, if you could just calm down a little bit and do things our way, then there wouldn't be such an uproar. Their purpose was to conform. Everybody say conform. conform. And I wonder if we don't do the same thing sometimes, but it's in more subtle ways. What happens when your agenda butts up against Jesus' agenda? When your purpose butts up against Jesus' purpose. You know, there's that conversation I'm having on that political debate on my Facebook page, and I just want to rip into that person that I hate and I can't stand. How many of you have ever uh, started a Facebook message and then ended up deleting it? Am I the only one on that, right? Jesus says, your agenda or mine? Your agenda or mine. You know, Jesus, I'd rather do my budget my way, and I'm going to spend my money my way, because after all, it's my money, and if I have anything left at the end of the month, I'll give. Jesus says, your agenda or mine? I want you to give first, because it was mine to begin with, God says. It's mine, and I want to set you free, so I want you to give it away, and then I want you to save, and then I want you to spend. I want you to do your budget my way, my purpose, not your purpose. Oh, Jesus, see, I'm I'm kind of in the dating scene now, and I need to do whatever it takes to get the approval of that man or that woman that I'm trying to gain their attention and their affection from. You know, Jesus, even if i got to compromise my beliefs and values just to get in the right relationship, I'm going to do it. Jesus says, am I your king or your buddy? What happens when your agenda bumps up against Jesus' agenda? I love a sign (laughs) that my roommate had up in his, uh, our dorm room in college, and it was this. Pursue God's will, not my will with God's name on it. Pursue, my, pursue God's will, not my will with God's name stamped on top of it. We're conforming our purpose to Jesus's, And we have the opportunity to do all, all that all the time as a church. That was what it means to follow Jesus, but particularly this time of year on Easter this next week, Easter is a garage door event. That's kind of how we call it uh, at Hope. It's a garage door event, and it's an opportunity for us not to consume religion, but to turn outwards and open up our doors. You know what most people in the Midwest, when the weather gets colder, they get home at the end of the day, and what do they do? Drive into their garage and shut their garage door, and then they're in for the rest of the night. We're not open to anybody, at, at Hope, we want to have our garage door open. It's a garage door event. It's come and see. There's going to be thousands of people here these next few weeks, and we need you. We need you. If you're just here to consume religion, well, then it doesn't matter that other people are showing up because you're just a member at the party. But we're going to have a giant Jesus party here. Anybody like parties, by the way? Okay, then, then you'll like Jesus. Okay, um, We are have a giant party and all we need is some hosts. Jen, our hospitality coordinator, told me that we need over 100 volunteers for those nine services in four days. And if you're here and if you're a regular attender here, I just want to challenge you and encourage you. Give it a shot. Give it a try. Serve as a family. And what you're going to find is that the people around here with the most joy serve. Sometimes the people that serve and are hosts at the party have more fun than the people that are coming to the party. Do you know what I mean? And I want to give you the opportunity to do that. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of opportunities, and it's as simple as shaking hands and saying good morning, as simple as being an usher, helping with coffee or whatever it is. Over 100 people are needed to make that happen. We want to have the greatest party that we can because Jesus deserves it. And if you want to do that, stop at the Welcome Center. There's little cards you can fill out back there. We would love to have you. Not out of duty or obligation. If you do anything around here, whether it's giving financially or to a giving campaign or serving, if you feel one ounce of guilt, don't. Don't give a cent. Don't volunteer a second if it's done out of pressure or duty or obligation. When we're connected to Jesus, it's a natural overflow of the love that we have for him. I can't help but serve. Of course I'm going to serve on Easter. I love Jesus and it's overflowing out of me. I just can't help it. Of course I'm going to serve. Even if I'm not signed up to serve, I'm just going to greet people anyway, right? That's what it means to follow Jesus. We don't consume religion. We stay connected to Jesus. And that was the last group around Jesus. Certainly there were those in the crowd that wanted to consume. There was others that wanted to conform Jesus, but not the disciples. They had learned the only thing worth living for, the only purpose worth having was staying connected to Jesus. No matter what. They weren't perfect They didn't have it all together. They had their doubts and imperfections, but they found the only purpose worth living for was staying connected to Jesus. They found a savior. They found a purpose, and it gave them something to live for. I love how Simon Peter says it in John chapter six. Let's read it together nice and loud up on the screen. This is what Jesus says, or excuse me, what Peter says to Jesus. Lord, to whom shall we go? you have the words of eternal life. In other words, the disciples have figured out the secret to an abundant, full life that every single one of us is looking for. It's two things. Step number one, find a purpose that can satisfy your soul. Find a purpose that can satisfy your soul. And if your soul isn't satisfied today, it's probably because you're looking for it in any other place you can find, and you're running after every possible other purpose. Find a purpose that can satisfy your soul. Step two, align your path to it. Align your priorities and your choices with it. I discovered somebody that's done that in a pretty unique way in and in a place that you wouldn't expect this past week. This was not meant to be my closing Palm Sunday illustration, but here it is for you anyway. Since I'm on the basketball kick is a guy named Dwayne Wade. How many of you have heard of Dwayne Wade? Any NBA fans? Okay, quite a few, good. So Dwayne Wade is a star NBA professional basketball player, has been for the last couple decades on the Miami Heat and some other teams uh, as well. And he's won multiple NBA championships and MVPs, is a multi-millionaire, has endorsement deals, has fame and popularity and power and, 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 and all of that. And this past week, just a few days ago, he retired. And you would think that the purpose of his life was celebrity status, that the purpose of his life was being a professional sports star. I mean, isn't that it? What you're going to find is that most people that have it are empty. What we're all striving for, most people that reach the mountaintop are left unfulfilled unless they find a purpose that's bigger, and that's what Wade found, mostly because of his faith. Turns out that he'd been up to much more during his career than basketball. I want you to watch this story that was made It's a commercial. Disregard what it's advertising. It's not every day that I show a Budweiser commercial in church, but here it is. Okay? I really want you to not pay attention to that because it doesn't matter one bit. Because the purpose and the content of this video is way too important to get distracted by that. As you watch this video... Look how Dwayne Wade found a much bigger and soul-satisfying purpose than consuming or conforming or going through the motions or just being a basketball player. Something way bigger than that. Take a look.
1: Coming, Like, literally, no idea. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Dwayne. Hello. Hello. How you doing, brother? Pretty good.
0: And yourself? It's been about 12 years since I last seen you. I come from an area where not too many people make it.
1: It was always my dream that I'd get the chance to go to college, but we just didn't have the money. You mean so much to us, and my brother Joaquin loved you from the beginning. He passed away in Parkland on February 14th. He was one of the 17 victims. 10 days before Christmas, our house burned down and we lost everything. It was one of the lowest points of my life. Hey, Dwayne. Hide your mouth. You were the joy of my life, but I was dropping the ball. That day that I just couldn't do it no more was the day that I was gonna have to turn myself in, and I seen the tears just fall from your eyes. Your mama went down a road, Dwayne, that I didn't ever think I'd come back from. But on that road, I noticed you kept showing up. And you'll come and see about me. And Dwayne, because you believe in me. When I got out of prison, I was a different woman. We received a phone call. Would you mind if Dwayne Wade take you and the family (laughs) on a shopping spree? It just meant the world to me that you were there for us at this time. Thank you. You became our hero.
0: A lot of the words that you said hit a spark and kind of changed where I was going.
1: Without you and your full tuition scholarship, none of this would have been possible. You're not way the basketball player, the legend. You're the human being that took the time and on his own, wrote my brother's name on his shoe, and you care. When you bought your mama that church, you don't even understand the lives that you changed. So I don't have a jersey but I brought you this. I don't have a jersey to trade with you, but I definitely have this. The uh, blazer that I wore to my first job. My cap and gown from graduation. This is important because Joaquin wore this in his last championship. My family wanted you to have it. Please don't forget my brother Joaquin. Having you as a role model has made all the difference. One of the special robes that you gave me Purple symbolizes royalty, and you are royal in everybody's life that you've touched. you completely changed the course of my life. I know my brother is with you always.
0: It wouldn't have been possible to be here if it wasn't you.
1: I am more proud of the man you have become than the basketball player. You are bigger than basketball.
0: Your purpose determines your path. (laughs) And I don't know if you caught it, but the woman that came forward as Dwayne Wade's mom just about drugged herself to death when Dwayne and his kids were young in inner city Chicago. And thanks to the help of some Christian brothers and sisters at a local church and Dwayne himself, she got on the road to recovery. Jesus came and changed her life And she is now the pastor of a growing inner city church in Chicago. Praise God. Pretty exciting. And I watched that this past week. And turns out Dwayne has some money. And he bought this church a building. And I was thinking about, you know, what we were talking about with our growth and our building. I'm like, I got to call (laughs) Dwayne. Doing this little thing down here in Des Moines. Your purpose determines your path. Your purpose determines your path. And when you look at your purpose these days, is it all about you or is it about others? Is it about consuming religion or is it about serving and inviting? And I don't know whether it's your retirement ceremony like Dwayne's or whether it's your final days and people are gathering around your bed. What is your line of thank yous look like? Who's going to be coming out of that tunnel for you? And what will they say? You think, oh, John, it's a cute, you know, your purpose determines your path. That's cute. Not when it's a matter of life and death. At the end of your days, what are people going to say about you? What impact will you have had on people's lives? Well, they worked a lot of hours. Well, they were really busy. Well, they shuttled those kids around and kept them busy. Well, they were in with the in crowd. They were cool. What matters at the end is your relationship with the God that created you and your relationship with the people that he's put around you. Find a purpose that can satisfy your soul and align your path to it. Don't play it safe. And I'm so thankful for all that Dwayne has done, and that's awesome. His purpose led to a life change for many but I can't help but think how much more so our king how much more so our savior right how long I'm I'm in that line to thank him right and so are all of us because he's changed our path forever because Jesus had a bigger purpose that Palm Sunday than coming in earthly power. He took on the enemy of sin and death and that's why we celebrate Palm Sunday. That's why we show up for Monday, Thursday and Good Friday services. That's why we volunteer as much as we can for Easter. That's why we invite as many people here. Even if we have to shove people in the rafters, we're going to make room. That's why we do what we do because Jesus' purpose led to a path that has changed our lives forever. Every single one of us is coming out of that tunnel to say, thank you Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Without you, I wouldn't be here. That's why we worship every single day. And that's why we wave our palm branches today and say, Hosanna. Not just save us, but you have saved us, King Jesus. And you're worth going all in for. You're worth coming up, showing up here every single week and rearranging my schedule so that I can be present and worship you and thank you every single day. Amen? Amen. So I want to give you another chance with your palm branches, because I think we can crank it up a notch, all right? So I want you to grab your palm branches, and I want you to stand up, and we're going to do it one more time in our groups, and I want you to do it loud and clear. Stand up wherever you are in the lobby up there. Get your palm branch out. We're going to do it like the first Palm Sunday, right? Split right down the middle. You ready? We're the Hosannas. You're the Blessed is the King, all right? Nice and loud. Here we go. All right, let's worship together. Here we go.